0: Well, this, this is awesome. You know, I mean, I love church. You wouldn't keep me away with, with horses. I mean, the fact is, even if we have to sit like six feet apart or whatever it is, meter and a half apart, it's still, it's still good. Yeah. I don't mind it. Families can sit together, put their arms around one another, and, uh, and, and we can just sense the energy, the life, the healing that you get from coming together emotional bonding is extremely important for human health and if if we don't if we just stay isolated we will find illness comes mentally at every level emotionally even physically we 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 are built with a need to come together and have community and if we can't make it to church uh, and we are making it on Zoom. Great to see you guys on Zoom. At least get together during the week in Connect Group to just let our hearts touch and we feel that, that being made whole by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, this week, we are continuing on with this series about knowing Jesus. What did He do? Okay, so <clears throat> as we... Um, Travel through this incredible series, you couldn't talk about much greater thing than than Jesus. When when, uh, we sang that last song, Jesus, only you, there's something, in my mind, there's something about Jesus that tends to break every barrier. You can talk about church, you can talk about God, you can talk about Christianity and you will get reaction from people. But when you talk about Jesus, for some reason, just that person still has the impact today of of affecting people in a positive way. And, and, you know, uh, we were not there when Jesus was on earth. When he talked to the woman at the well, he exposed her. To, and, and spoke out loud about a, a bad, a dirty little secret she had in her life, that she had been with six men in succession, had, had a promiscuous lifestyle, was rejected by the other women in the community, hence she was out in the well outside of town, not the one inside town. And now here is Jesus talking to her, revealing that just facing her with a very raw wound of reality that she has messed up. But do you know her response? She's excited. I don't know anybody in the universe who could do that. Tell a person about the worst part of their life and they get excited. They go, wow, that's amazing that you knew that. There must have been so much love Pouring out of Jesus so much grace, not an ounce of judgment in the way that he delivered that message. That she just runs into the city and tells everybody. I found somebody who told me the worst things about my life. Well, How crazy is that? We, the reason we're talking about Jesus is because the Bible, Ephesians says, imitate God. Be like him. And so we have got a calling on our life to become Jesus in this world, to bring salvation to people. Now, salvation comes from a word to salve, which means to heal. So when we, when we bring salvation to people, we're in healing to their lives. So listen to this. This is a good identification of what kind of person we are. If you see an accident, car smashed up on the side of the road. What's your first response as to who you will call? Do you think, I better call the police? Or do you think, I better call an ambulance? Because that tells us what our approach to life is. Who to blame or who to heal. And as believers, to be like Jesus, he doesn't call the police. He calls the ambulance. He brings, he says, we're gonna get you healed. We're gonna get you fixed up. We're not here to put blame on you, shame on you, send you to prison, punish you and make you pay for your sins. I'm gonna do that for you. I'm gonna take all your shame. I'm gonna take all your blame. I'm gonna pay the price, take all the punishment for you so that you can be healed and set free because you can't do it. It's beyond your ability to take all that and come out okay. So I'm going to take it because I'm going to come out of the grave okay, and I'll pay it for you. All you got to do is receive that. No, no, you, you. I got to climb Mount Everest to get it. No, he says it's free. Just receive it. It couldn't be free. No, it, it's going to cost me everything. But I'm making it free for you. But once you receive me and you follow me, then it'll cost you everything. Amen. Amen. <laughs> And uh, and that's the only way to live it. So that is why we are looking at Jesus. Because I wanna become more like Him. And I want our people to become more like Him. I want C3 to be like Jesus. That so when people look at us, they think, that's what Jesus is like. He's like that. So what did Jesus do? We figure out His purpose last week. What did He do? Acts 10.38 God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. What did He do? He did good. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with Him. Fantastic statement. He was healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Tyrannised and harassed is that word oppressed. He healed all. Who were tyrannised and harassed and tormented by the devil. What did Jesus do? He went about doing good. He didn't do evil. He did good healing all who were harassed, tormented and tyrannised by the devil. Who harasses, who torments? Not God. The devil does that. The devil does bad things. Jesus does good things. The devil destroys, Jesus gives life. He makes whole. Whatever the devil does, Jesus undoes. Jesus came to undo what the devil did do. So whatever the devil has done in your world, Jesus came into this world to undo it. Whatever, whatever areas the devil has tried to tyrannize, harass, or torment you on, Jesus has come to bring you calm, peace, and to set you free from the torment. That is what Jesus does. And I'm proud to serve him. I'm proud to serve anybody who's going to undo what the devil has tried to do. Now I know people who are suicidal. That's destructive. That's harassing. That's torment. Jesus came to undo that so that you would not be suicidal, not be depressed, not be anxious not be sick not be mentally ill not be emotionally diseased not be spiritually depressed not be soul depressed but to be actually increased in blessing life and victory Jesus came to give you life not to give you death he went about doing good what did Jesus do good so when it comes into your when good comes into your life that's going to be the lord when evil comes into your life that's the other guy. Don't accept it, reject it. Matthew 4:23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness. So he didn't just heal all who came to him, all the people who came to him. He healed all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. There's not one kind of sickness and not one kind of disease. That Jesus cannot heal. How good is this? There's not one kind of mental illness, schizophrenia, neurosis, paranoia. There's not one kind that He can't heal. And there's not one kind of disease He's unable. COVID-19 is nothing compared to Jesus' power. He can dissolve it. He can get rid of it. Psalm 91 says, It shall not come nigh us. That's where we live, people. So Jesus went about healing all of all kinds of diseases and sickness. Now, I'm going to take you to an even higher reason than that. Why Jesus came. Could there be a higher reason? There is, people. There's a higher. That's a really good reason that Jesus came and He will do that in our lives, but He will do even more than that, even more. In, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He didn't come down here for us to all serve Him. He didn't come round for, for Him to be escorted here and taken there and looked after here. That was not why He came. He came with a purpose in mind. I have come to give my life as a ransom for many. So if I'm wanting to know why Jesus, what Jesus did, what he's like, it's so that I can become like him. So I have got to say to myself, I have not come into this world to be served. But I have come into this world to serve. Your life will be a paltry life if you're going to live it for the kingdom of self. I was living for the kingdom of Phil Pringle. What a paltry little goal that would be! But if I take Phil Pringle and say, "You're going to serve his kingdom and help him build his house," then my life becomes meaningful. It becomes useful. We live in such a selfish age. Last, uh, you know, I, I, the reason I am constantly bending this message over to it being what I am going to do in response to knowing about Jesus. is because, and I've said this to our preachers, and I sent out a message last week, I fear that we will build selfish people if they think that Jesus just came to bless them all the time. He did come to do that, but that's not the entire equation, people. He came to give you a model of how you can live your life. That was his purpose, to show you that you can heal the sick, that you can give your life a ransom for many. Because if you're just here waiting for Jesus to touch you all the time, you're living a very self-absorbed, self-centered life, which is going to inevitably feel extremely empty and purposeless. You have got to be able to go and do something that is a sacrifice to you. And I said this to my pastor who I was talking to on in Canada this morning on the way here a, talked to them for maybe 40 minutes and I was saying, do not create a selfish congregation by letting them all stay at home on Zoom all the time. That's it. They need to get together as connect group parties and and watching parties. And and so that they've got to leave home and get out of their pajamas and put on a T-shirt and have a sense of occasion where you meet with a couple of other families in a house on a Sunday morning and watch if that's it, and have a watch party because then church is in your house and there's the, there's the demand for me to get out of my self-absorbed lifestyle and go, and go and be with some other people and keep conversation. And you might groan about it, but that's good for you. You might moan about it. Oh, I gotta go to the prayer meeting. I gotta be there early. I'm a volunteer this week. Good for you. That is good for you because you are weakening your selfishness and you are strengthening your unselfishness. Because the longer you strengthen your selfishness, you're going to be an empty, complaining, miserable soul waiting for God to come and make you happy. It ain't going to happen. He's given you a way of life to make you happy. And that is not to be served, but to serve and give your life a ransom for many. You'll always find the happiest people are serving people. They're serving. June here, she's, I've never seen a miserable She's always helping. She's always helping out other people. She brought me in two glasses of water. One with lemon in it, another sparkling. Look at this. And I picked it up to carry. She said, don't worry, there's one out here. And I'm talking about that because you think, you think that serving God is about doing big stuff. No, it's about a lot of little stuff. Amen. That's it. It's about doing... All sorts of little things—picking up a piece of glass off the beach, in case somebody cuts their foot on it—it's about helping that that lady carry her bags up the stairs. That's what God looks at. He doesn't—he doesn't care what you think about the missionaries going to India. He's, I mean, God bless India. We love India. You know, you might say, "Oh, we need to—we're praying for the missionaries in India. Why don't you help the lady up the ba- up the steps with her bags?" You can pray for the missionaries in India, but honestly, God is going to hold us to account for the people right in front of us. The way we treated the people right in front of us. The little things we might have done just for the people all around our world. That is what being Jesus in this world is about. And it it might interrupt you. It might be an inconvenience to you. Oh, I hope it is. Pick up your cross and follow me if it's convenient. I surrender 53%. Lord, uh, I'm sorry. The prayer meeting wouldn't be convenient for me tonight. I have have the last series of that Netflix show that I've I've just got to watch. There's there's some things I want to do for me. I need some me time, Jesus. No, you don't. You need some other people time where you forget about yourself and you think, how can I help? What can I do here? That's what Jesus did. He gave his life as a ransom for many. He gave his life. Some of you mothers here, you've given your life for your children. We salute you. Some of you have got three children, even though you've only given birth to two Your husband's like a growing up, somebody you've just got to help out all the time, pick up his underpants. God bless you. You've raised three children. Amen. There are things that you can do for one another that are unselfish in marriage. Like You can help her in with the groceries. I know you'd have to get off the couch. I know that's a terrible inconvenience to you, but that's what Jesus would do. I know he never got married, but anyway, that's what he would do. He he would, he did good. So I'm just talking to you about trying to simplify the whole idea of bringing it out of you being Betty Hinn casting out demons on a stage. Very few people are going to do that, but you can't help carrying the washing. You can't help empty the dishwasher. Oh, I know that's like, almost like swearing for some men, you know, but, but honestly, you could, there are, there are all sorts of things. And I'm sorry, guys, I've been on your case because I know me, you know, and uh, I'll let the girls get on the girls' cases some other time. Okay, so I wanna go through very quickly and I got eight minutes to get through about eight things that Jesus did when He gave His life, a ransom for many. Number one, He set you free from sin. Oh, this is such a big subject. Do you know, I think that people are only one half a God these days. They only want half God. They don't want the full spectrum of what God is. They want the God who is on this side, who is loving, gracious, kind, nice. But there is another side of God called judgment, called punishment for sin. Called, called, it's not grace, it's called wrath. And you may not like that side of God, but that's the only God there is. And it's not up to us to create God in our image, how we want him to be. There is a God who required satisfaction for the dishonor that the sins of humanity had offended him with. It's not like God's just a force, an impersonal force. He is offended. He has feelings. When you blaspheme His name, that's an offense. That's a transgression. We have upset God. He's angry because of our sins. He's angry. He's upset. The God of heaven and earth who made the whole universe is, gets angered when we worship false gods. When we say evolution created the earth, that, that makes him upset. If I spent all day cleaning up my yard and you came in and said, oh, did your neighbour do this? I said, no, I did it. They said, no, I don't believe you. Your neighbour did it. No, I did it. Nah, can't believe that. Sorry, George. My name's Phil. Oh, I want to call you George and tell you your neighbour made your yard look good. I'm upset. Buddy, get it together. I clean up my house and my name is Phil. When you're prepared to accept that, you can come back to my house. It would, it would, it, it's not a pleasant feeling when your kids come into the room and say, hi, mum, I'm your father, not your mother. Oh, I think you're a girl. No, I'm, I'm not a girl. I'm a male and I'm your father. You see, there, there are things that upset us in life and that is the part of us that is what God feels. And so he said, you know, I'm going to, these sins, I have to bring, I have to correct the sense of justice and defend the honour of my throne. But I love you. I love you too much to send it on you. So I'm going to send my son and he's going to take it all. I'm going to set you free from your sins. I'm going to forgive you your sins. I'm going to wipe them out. All the things that you've come up short on, all the lies, all the, all the things that have offended my honour and, and, and been unjust, to the worst of degrees, to the sex traffickers, to the people who have done terrible, terrible things that even you feel angry about, I am prepared to extend my forgiveness to them. And if Jesus does that for us, He is saying, I want you to do it for others. I don't want you to call the police when you see people committing say, I want you to call the ambulance in your heart and say, so I'm here to bring salve, healing for all of these broken lives around me. That's the first thing Jesus does on the cross. And 1 John 1 verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is just and faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There couldn't be a greater thing in the bible but it is the most misunderstood thing because, because healing comes because sin has been repented of I can't give you another pathway otherwise I'd be lying to you but the pathway to healing is to rid myself of the virus of sin I've got the vaccination it's the blood of Jesus for a, for a thing that is going to wipe you out And the only way to get it out is to surface it to Christ. To try and go straight to the healing is to miss the point. It'd be like me saying, look, I know you've got this big pussy gash here. What I'm going to do is put a big Band-Aid over it. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to put in any antiseptic. I'm not going to really deal with it. I'm not going to sew it up and get closure through confession and forgiveness. I'm just going to put a Band-Aid on it. Well, that's just going to go rotten under there. I've been in that situation. Ended up with septicemia on my knee because they just put a Band-Aid over a rotten wound, a wound that was decaying. I had to go through three operations where they give me a general anesthetic and scrub it out, whatever it was, with a, some kind of brush. Ugh. Disgusting. It's, it's, not, it's not great. But if they didn't do that, the gravel would have still been in my knee. They, they, and, and I would have, it can kill you. Just because of that, it spreads all through your body. Try chopping off your leg. If it's gone too far, you're dead. So they've got to put you in there and scrub out all the, if we don't get rid of the sin out of our soul, it's going to destroy us. And so that's why we have confession. That's why we come to Jesus and He cleanses us. Okay, I'm going to go a lot quicker because i got like two minutes Number two, He died on the cross to set you free from sickness. Not just your sin, but also your sickness. Number three, He died on that cross to set you free from the devil. Anything that the devil has got on you, it is broken through the power of the cross. Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. He defeated the devil and all the supernatural realm understands that that fallen angel is defeated. When God created beings, He created three classes. He created angels, which are spirits that are invisible to the human eye. He created animals, which are just flesh. They don't have any spirit. And then He created humans, which are both flesh and spirit. All right, so animals don't have a spirit. Angels are just spirits. Humans are both flesh and spirit. We're in the middle. We can connect with an invisible supernatural realm, and we're also in touch with our physical zone. And so we, when, we, uh, when we live this life in the image of God, we find that we can connect with demonic forces that actually oppress us and hamstring us and cause all sorts of difficulties in our lives. Well, when Jesus died, he broke the power that demons have over human beings. The only legal right they have is through sin. And once sin is gone, they've lost their legal right. You are no longer tormented or harassed by any demon spirit in this world. Number four, you're set free from poverty. When Jesus died, he, he took away a thing called poverty. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might become rich. The most blunt statement, I think, about wealth in the whole Bible that Paul makes to the Corinthians, saying, I know some of you are struggling with poverty. Jesus died to take it away. He died to remove it. Poverty is not a blessing it's a curse. You can't you cannot argue. Some people have argued that it's you know Christians poor Christians are more pious than wealthy Christians. That cannot be an argument of any kind whatsoever. How can you how can you help anybody? It's expensive to be a Christian. Jesus said like there's somebody bleeding and dying and half dead on the side of the road two guys avoid him. One guy takes him to the hospital and says, whatever it costs, send me the bill. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if any of us in a room, could we go down to the Seventh-day Adventist hospital with a, with a half-dead person, put them in the, in the hands of a nurse, say, hey, whatever it costs, send me the bill to fix it up. Might be in there for six months. Who knows? So it's like to help the world, you and I, need to be set free from poverty and begin to be blessed in this life in Jesus' Name. And I'm praying for you to be blessed. We're set free from the curse. There's not one curse that can be placed on you anywhere in this world. Galatians 3.13 says that. Number six, this is one of the biggest victories. You get set free from yourself. If you were to find that person who's causing you all the grief in your life and give them a good whooping you probably wouldn't be able to sit down today because it's us. The person sitting in your seat this morning is probably the culprit of most of our challenges. And it's because of the self-nature. And when Jesus died on the cross, it says we are crucified with Him. These are revelations Paul had about the cross that none of the other apostles had. And he keeps announcing things like this. You thought, wow, that was in the cross. He says, If you were baptized, you were baptized into his death. Our old man was crucified with him, Romans 6 6, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to it. I'd been crucified with Christ. No longer I live. So the crucifixion was not just about sin, sickness, the devil, and poverty and the curse. It was about getting rid of me, putting a death through me. You know, uh, It's a funny thing. This last week, there's, I mean, and generally throughout my my Christian life, there are things that you want to happen and they don't happen. You ever had that? And you go, oh God, I really want that. You think you'll die if it doesn't happen. And then it doesn't happen and you don't die. And then the Lord says, I want you to surrender on that. Because some things are a point of surrender. They're a cross to pick up. And it kills you to do it. It's part of following Jesus. And whenever I do that and I pick it up and I beat myself, I deny myself. Like I forgive a person that I want to hate. Or I don't get something I want and I surrender it. I find myself smiling because I got victory over me. I beat me when I didn't want to beat me, but I got over myself. That's a good feeling. When you feel like I denied myself and I actually did. I got over it. I got beyond it. I forgave the person. I loved the person. I sent the money. I gave them this. I didn't get what I want. That's good. I died a little today. That knowing that helps you in life far more than getting all you want all the time. This is about following Jesus and becoming like him. And I got one more people, and then we're done. See, it didn't hurt a bit, right? It was pretty painless, right? You gotta admit. This, 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 is, this is good preaching. This is basic doctrine. And I'm just trying to get you excited about some very basic understanding about Jesus. The last thing that he crucified was the world. So that between you and the world, there's been a there's been a death march. There's been a cross put between you and the world, Galatians six fourteen. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. So when I walk into a department store, rather than thinking, "Oh, look at all the things I can get," I think, "Look at all the things I don't need to have." Walk through a mall and not buy anything. Oh, it is tough for the ladies now. Just to walk through all of that and think, mm, that's nice, that's nice. But I'm crucified to all this stuff and it's all crucified to me. I am numb to the world. Wow, it was great talking in theory, wasn't it? About how we just die to ourselves and we smile at ourselves. How about when you walk through the mall and there's something you wanna buy and you don't buy it and you give the money to somebody else? Like, wow, I feel good. I beat myself today. I got the victory over me. That's what, that's what. I didn't come to serve, be served. I came to serve, to be a blessing to other people. I mean, it's okay, guys, if I talk about dresses and things like that with girls. But if I talked about that fishing rod, whoa, now, hey, hey, you're messing with my life, the preacher, just, just calm down. What if, we, what if we talked about the new tires, eh? The new mags. Whoo, hey. What if we talked about the, 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 the things that the world gets a grip on us with? We said, no, I'm not going to do that. And we are weird creatures. That covetous thing. I'm, I'm writing this book and I'm talking about living the present. And I was remembering a meal that we were having. I was having in, in, a, in a particular place with a preacher and his family. And while we were eating... They were planning dinner. And I thought, this is crazy. Why are we thinking about dinner? I can't even taste the food in my, ma- my mouth right now because I'm thinking about dinner. And you're eating one meal and you, you, you're thinking about the next. I've dealt with drug addicts. They're always thinking about the next hit. Even when they're taking this hit. And But you know, we might, we might think that's strange, but we could be living in a pretty good house. And be thinking, oh, I wish I only, I only wish I had that house. Imagine if we had that car. And we're never experiencing life as it is for us right now, and celebrating it and being thankful for it, because the world is trying to get us. But I'm numb to it. I've been crucified to it. It's got no hold on me, and I got no hold on it. And it's, I'm free. How good to be free, people. Some people think freedom's just jumping around, but I'm telling you, what I'm talking about is a genuine freedom that God has for every single one of us. What did Jesus do? He did all of that for you and me so that we could be like that for others.